Hope you have your Bible with you and that you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. This is going to be our last week covering 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. We've spent a month on it now. We've moved super slowly through this passage so that we can take seriously each call to action. Each call to action that's there in the text and we want to see how it, these commands are related to the nearness of the end and how they serve to glorify God. You may be sick of it by now, but I think seeing this colorful bulleted form of the text is helpful. Um, I think we'll, we'll see that on the screen, how in verse 7, we see that basis statement of the nearness of the end, the end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment, therefore keep fervent in your love for one another, therefore be hospitable, that's what we talked about last week, and this week we will say, therefore employ your gifts in serving one another. And then at the bottom, you'll see that all of this is so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Last week, specifically, we looked at this call to ungrumbling hospitality. And I challenged you to take that command seriously and to be proactive in your exercise of hospitality, rather than sitting by the phone and waiting for someone else to exercise hospitality rather than waiting by the phone for someone else to offer this hospitality to you. In case you didn't notice it, that idea of sitting angrily by the phone waiting for it to ring is a pet peeve of mine. And as I listened back over the sermon Monday morning, I realized that my fleshly snark came out a little stronger than I would have liked it to. Uh, And so I need to walk that back a bit today. I'd like to excuse it by saying it was because I was listening to it on double speed that the snark came across so strong. But I know myself that I'm an expert in snarkiness. Um, Like really an expert in it. My filter catches a lot of it most days, uh, but not enough most days. So let me state it more positively today. If you need something, say something. If you need something, say something. Make a call and ask. Call the church office. Call your deacon. Call any deacon. Reach out to your Sunday school teacher. Text the person that usually sits in the same row as you in worship. I don't think that I have ever seen someone say, hey, can you stop by and talk for a minute? Or could we sit down for a little while? Or can you help with fill in the blank, and the people of FBC say, nah, pass, just don't see that happen, so say something if you need something, you can even say something on behalf of someone else that you know has a need, someone who might not say it for themselves, hey, I know that so-and-so needs a visit, I know that so-and-so needs some help, so-and-so needs some assistance, can, can you do that? Again, I I don't hear often that that happens and we just ignore it and walk on. We want to help, really. We want to serve. We want to love. Give us a chance to do that before you get angry. To let a little snarkiness back in, I will say, we can't read minds. But we can meet needs when we're aware of them. And we want to. And I think we do a pretty good job of that when we know. For applications last week, I told you that this place is not our home. We've been seeing that in 1 Peter. We are indeed strangers and aliens as we live on this planet, as we live in Harrisburg. We are strangers and aliens, and therefore we need each other. 
We need fellowship. We need hospitality. We need to help each other. But there is a war within. We've talked about this, this struggle between our flesh and our spirit and how the lusts of the flesh wage war against our very souls. And my flesh and your, your flesh is selfish. My flesh and your flesh is addicted to comfort. And hospitality is selfless. Hospitality is inconvenient. It's difficult. It's even painful. And so we need to fight the war within and do hospitality even when it's hard. Because there is a world to win. We've been seeing that in 1 Peter. So we let our light shine in the way we take care of one another so that they may see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. Let them see your good deeds so that they will give glory to your Father in heaven. And I told you lastly that the end is near. The end is near. We don't have time to waste with this. We don't have time for our petty disagreements, our petty differences to keep us apart. We don't have time for that. Uh, the end is near, and so we must draw together. We must bind together. After all, if we're not going to be people for each other, if, if our people are not found here, where will they be found? And I hope that you were able this week to take even a small step in the area of hospitality. Maybe you sent a text to somebody you hadn't talked to in a while, or maybe you decided to adopt. Um, there's a whole range there of ways we can show hospitality to one another. And I will remind you of what Rosario Butterfield says at the end of her great book on hospitality. She says, start anywhere, but do start. Start anywhere, but do start. Maybe you're going to take a giant leap into the deep end of hospitality, or maybe you're going to stick your toe into text messaging. Um, start anywhere, but do start. This week, we were going to see the final exhortation of this passage and it's going to call us to use our spiritual gifts in service to one another. And I think this is a super timely word for us as we head into Vacation Bible School this coming week. I love Vacation Bible School for a thousand reasons. A thousand reasons I love Vacation Bible School, but not the least of those is the beautiful demonstration Vacation Bible School is of diversity and unity within the body at First Baptist. Diversity and unity on display because it takes a bunch of you, like a bunch of you, to pull off Vacation Bible School. And as great as Kelly is, as wonderful a job as she does of orchestrating this whole thing, if it were not for almost a hundred of you who volunteer your time this coming week, using your unique set of gifts, your unique set of skills in different places and at different times, all for one purpose. If it were not for almost a hundred of you doing this, it would be a bust. So let this text in 1 Peter serve as a rallying cry for the work that is coming up this week. Let it also serve as a guide for what we should do this week, how we should do it this week, and why. Why we should give ourselves to service this week, using our gifts in service to one another. Let's read the text together. I'm going to read all of 7 through 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, we're going to zoom in on really verses 10 and 11 today as we continue our study. So read it with me. This is God's word. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Let's pray together. Father in heaven, over and over and over again, you bring us just what we need, just when we need it, as we march through studying your word. And we are super thankful for that, especially on this day, as we launch into the biggest and busiest week of ministry this year. Thank you for giving us these reminders, these challenges, these directions in your word. None of us could have picked a better text for the Sunday before Vacation Bible School than this text that you have us in today. Thank you for the gifts you have given to each of your people here at First Baptist Church. Thank you that no two of us are alike and that every single one of us is useful and needed in this body. Lord, help us all to be good stewards of those gifts you have given to us and use them to serve one another so that you may be glorified. Specifically this week, help us to appreciate one another in our uniquenesses, in our differences, and help us to work together in unity and harmony at Vacation Bible School. Lord, it is our desire that this week would be dripping with your word, that we would be declaring your very word in worship, in Bible study, in crafts, in recreation, even as we eat snacks, that your word would be on our lips. And it is our desire that your power would be driving it all, that we would not depend on our own strength, our own energy, our own creativity or ingenuity, but that we would rely on your limitless, inexhaustible, overwhelming, supernatural power. May this week be all about your word, your power, so that you get all the glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All right, so let's start by looking at the first part of verse 10. There's a lot for us to see today. Verse 10 starts out by saying, as each one has received a special gift. Now, I want to admit right off the bat that the Bible has a lot to say, a lot to say about these gifts, spiritual gifts. I could not possibly give an exhaustive talk about spiritual gifts in the time that we have today. And so I want to avoid the pressure of trying to say all that the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts in our time together. I couldn't possibly preach this text and Romans chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you got to preach 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to explain how love connects all of this together. There's no way I could possibly do all of that today, but by all means, we will preach those texts when we come to them. In fact, we have preached those texts. I was looking back because I thought, I know I've preached 1 Corinthians. I know I've preached through that entire book. Yep, did it back in 2011. That was 11 11 years ago. And I preached through Romans, and we were in chapter 7 in 2015. That was seven years ago. So we've covered those texts. We've, We've dealt with those texts. And I want us to see what is here today, what is in this text today, and trust that the Holy Spirit will remind us of the things we've already been taught as we look at what's right in front of us today. Maybe you've got great notes like Pastor Joe who has a shelf full of composition notebooks from sermon notes from, and meeting notes from years and years and years ago. Maybe you need to go check those out again. I want us to see what's here today. Preach this text today. The first thing I want you to see in this text is that gifts are received. That may sound like a simple thing, but we need to be reminded of it today, that gifts are received. The word that is used here for gift is the Greek word charisma. It's a word that has the word for grace at its root. If you're going to boil down the word for gift here, you would boil it down and what you would have is grace at the end of the day. The root word is 
grace. I guess that's why New American Standard inserts the word special here. Each one of you has received a special gift, though that word is not in the original text. The word charisma means a gift of grace, a free gift. One scholar says it is a favor which one receives without any merit of his own. We're familiar with this word. It's the word that is used in Romans chapter 6. And I want to put Romans chapter 6 on the screen because it's just a solid gospel nugget. Uh, It's just a solid gospel truth that teaches us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's, That's like a boiled down gospel right there, right? The wages of sin is death, and we are all sinners, and therefore we all deserve death. What we have earned, like a wage, because of our sin, is death from a holy God. That's what we deserve. Holy God, sinful man, we're going to die. That's the way that works, but that's a great word in the Bible, isn't it? But the free gift, same word here, undeserved, unmerited, it's not something we've earned. The free gift that we receive is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life comes only through him. Eternal life offered to sinners who deserve only death. How do we get that? How do we receive it? By repenting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same word. Same word. Same gospel word is used here when he says each of you has received a gift. The unmerited nature of the gift in 1 Peter chapter 4 is reemphasized in Peter's use of the word receive. It seems like you wouldn't have to say that, right? You wouldn't have to say that you receive a gift. Of course, it's by very nature gifts are received. And yet he does it to emphasize that this is an act of grace. It is unmerited. We receive the gifts. It's not a wage that we earn, but it's an undeserved gift we receive. It's not something we create. It's not something we conjure up. It's not something we develop. But it is something we are given, something we receive, something that is given to us, these gifts. Number one, gifts are received. Number two, Everyone gets a gift. That's a good day, right? That's a good day when everyone gets a gift. My kids, when they were small, had a hard time with birthdays. They had no problem with Christmas because at Christmas, everybody gets a gift. But on birthdays, only the birthday boy gets a gift. This is like Christmas where everyone gets a gift. Notice that Peter doesn't say, if you have a gift, employ it in service to one another. Nor does he say those who are special enough to have a gift employ it to service in service to one another. He clearly implies each one of you who are in Christ, remember the audience, he's writing to believers, the chosen ones who are scattered. He's writing to believers, each one of you who are in Christ has received a gift. And when I was writing this and developing it all, I couldn't help but get the, the image of Oprah in my mind. Oprah standing up and saying, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and everybody, you know this? This is better than that. For a number, amen, thank you. This is better than that for a number of reasons. One is it is God who is giving these gifts, not Oprah. And number two, each person gets something unique. Each person gets something special. It's not you get the same gift and you get the same gift and you get the same gift and we're all exactly the same. No, it's you get a special gift that's just for you and you get a special gift that no one else gets and you get a special gift that's unlike any other and he gives them all to us so that we may serve one another and ultimately his glory in it all. Each gift is unique, individualized, one of a kind. That's why New American Standard adds the word special here. It's not in the original text, but it's true and it's helpful. All of our gifts are unique. 
So that even if we are looking at the lists of gifts and we would say, ah, so-and-so has the gift of teaching and -and so-and-so also has the gift of teaching and so does so-and-so. Well, we would recognize that even though we might say generally all three of those guys have the gift of teaching, that teaching is going to come out different ways in each one of those guys, right? Even though generally they may have the same kind of gift, their exercise of that gift is going to be unique only to them. Everyone gets a gift and every gift is different. So how then do I determine what my gift is? Like if this is true, if God is giving gifts and he's giving gifts to all of his people and everyone gets a special gift, then how do I, how do I determine which one mine is? That would seem to be pretty important, right? What's, what's my gift? Well, there are a couple ways we could approach this. One, we could just look, we could look at the lists of gifts in the scriptures. You'll find five different lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And if you look at those five lists together, you will notice that none of them are the same. Those lists are each unique and different. You will also notice that no one list has all the gifts. And that no gift, no singular gift is on all the lists. It's a really interesting thing. And the implication is that it's not intended to be exhaustive. The implication is there are a whole bunch of different gifts. They are so unique and so individualized that Wayne Grudem says, one could say there is an almost limitless variety of different spiritual gifts, all manifestations of the richly varied and abundant grace of God. So looking at the lists might help you to know kind of what are some examples of spiritual gifts, what are some of the spiritual gifts. Looking at those lists would be helpful. That could be one thing you could do. I would say, yeah, if you're opening your Bible, that's a good move, right? Sometimes people take a test to determine what their spiritual gift is. We sometimes call those spiritual gifts inventories. And while that may be helpful on some level, we all know that those things, those kinds of things can be manipulated, right? Like if you go into a personality test hoping to be... uh, an extrovert who is extra friendly and always the life of the party, well, then you self-evaluate that way, right? And so if you go to a spiritual gifts inventory and you like the gift of teaching, you're probably going to answer the question so that at the end of the day, it spits out that you have a gift of teaching. So again, that might be helpful on some level, but it might not, you you don't get to come and say, give me a teaching position because I took the test and here's the proof. Like, "Eh, I don't know about that. That might not be the way it should go. So a helpful resource, maybe. So open your Bible, look at the lists, maybe take one of those inventories to kind of get you headed in the right direction. But the very best way to determine what your gift is, is to serve, is to get involved, it's to do something. And in the process of serving, in the process of loving, in the process of leading, in the process of being part of the body, you, it will become more and more clear to you where you are gifted and where you are not. Right? Edmund Clowney says, gifts are discovered in service. We may rightly ask about the gift we have received, but we will not gain the answer by introspection. We will gain the answer by service. This is why when a young person comes and says to one of us pastors that they're feeling a call from God into some kind of vocational ministry, our advice right off the bat is then take every opportunity that comes your way to serve. Because it is through that service that you're calling, it is through that service that your gifts will be focused and clarified. And that's kind of the point of our summer ministry apprentice program here at First Baptist. Those guys come in and they spend a summer with us and we make them do everything. 
all kinds of different things so that they can say, ooh, yes, this, this resonates, this fits, this works, and I see the fruit of it. And they can also say, this is not it. This is, I'm ineffective and not helpful in this area. And it helps to sharpen that. So, I, I, I again, just want to encourage you, don't wait until you have determined 100% what your spiritual gift is to do something. In fact, it is in the doing that you will determine what your gifting is, where you fit, and how you most helpfully serve the body at First Baptist. So jump in. That's the best way to find out where you're gifted. Jump in. So right off the bat, we're seeing first, gifts are received. Second, everyone gets a gift. All of God's people get a gift. And third, each person's gift is unique. Now read on in verse 10. As each one of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This part of the verse is extremely important because it teaches us that these gifts have not been given to us as mere blessings. They are not intended to be mere blessings or mere privileges of being born again. They are not given to us to be displayed so as to be admired. No, they are given to us to be used for the good of others. They are given as resources to be stewarded, invested in the good of those around us, within the church in particular. He says, Peter says, employ the gifts in serving one another. That word for serve is going to come up later. It's the same word we get our word deacon from. What what are deacons in the church? Power-hungry brokers who run the show and put the pastors in headlocks. Unfortunately, in a lot of churches, that is the case. Not here, not in the Bible. What are deacons? They're servants. Where did they come from? There was a problem, and some people were being overlooked in the service of food, and so some guys were called out to take care of them, to see that the needs were met, so that the tables, literally the tables were served. That's what we're to do with our gifts. We're to use them in service to one another. To one another. That's particular, right? It's not just service generally to the world, although the world will benefit from all of this. Peter is zoomed in on the church. He zoomed in on the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he's writing to. And so he says, employ these gifts in service to one another. Take care of each other within the church using those gifts. But the most interesting part of the end of verse 10 is when he says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That word for steward means a household manager, a guardian, a superintendent, or an overseer, someone who is charged with the, by the owner with authority over the household to distribute the resources as needed to the rest of the household. Does that make sense? Trusted by the owner with the resources to distribute those things to the others in the household. He says that's how you are with your gifts. You are stewarding the manifold grace of God. You are stewarding the manifold grace of God to other people in the household. That word manifold is really interesting. Uh, Some of your translations say varied. The word means various or sometimes different colors or diverse. My parents owned a jewelry store when I was a kid. And uh, it was a good day when they could sell a diamond. That was a really good day. Not everybody was buying diamonds, but some people bought diamonds and learned a thing or two about diamonds. And one of the things I learned is that the more facets a diamond has, the more flat surfaces it has, the more valuable it is and the more beautiful it is. 
many faceted. Some of your translations say that, the many faceted grace of God. It's got a lot of flat surfaces so that that light can bounce from one place to another and make it extra sparkly and extra beautiful and extra valuable, right? So it is, it is in the exercise of these variety of gifts that we see the variety, the multifaceted nature of the grace of God. It's on display. In fact, more than being on display, it is stewarded to one another. So his grace, here's the point, his grace is diverse. His grace is various. His grace is multifaceted. It is many colored. And he has entrusted a unique gifting of that grace to each one of us so that we can employ that gift in service to one another. Let's say it another way. We experience a unique facet of God's grace as others use their gifts in service to the body. When John Piper talks about this, he talks about bending grace out horizontally for the benefit of other people. That's the, that's the way our gifts work. We're getting grace coming down to us. The multifaceted grace of God is coming down to each one of you in unique ways, in your unique gifts. And you, using that gift, employing that gift, bend that grace out and reflect it and shine it off in a unique way to the people around you. He defines gifts as a personally unique capacity for stewarding grace to others, stewarding grace to others, managing God's grace, distributing it to other people. What a beautiful thing that is. Each one of us as his people stewarding his grace to each other in the use of our gifts. So the takeaway is that these gifts are not a privilege. These gifts are not a privilege. They are a responsibility. That's exactly the way Tom Schreiner says it. He says, spiritual gifts are not fundamentally a privilege, but a responsibility, a call to be faithful to what God has bestowed. A call to be faithful to what God has bestowed. He's given it to you, not so you put it on a trophy, uh, on a shelf like a trophy, but so that you will show the grace of God to other people by the use of your gift. This is one of the things I love most about Vacation Bible School. We see a huge variety of giftings on display, and we all benefit from each one of them by seeing more and more of the grace of God in the lives of other people. So let's appreciate that variety this week. That's a hard thing to do, though. I just want to be honest with you. That's a hard thing for me to do. I, I, I mostly am attracted to people who have the same kind of gifts as me. I, like, I want to hang out with people who are like me. In fact, there are times where I look at other people's gifts and I'm like, eh. Is that really necessary? But the lesson biblically is, yes, it's absolutely necessary. If we're going to be the body that God has called us to be, we need a variety of different parts. In fact, Paul uses this language, does he not? What if the whole body were hearing? Where would the sight be? If we were all ears and no eyes, how would we see? We need the variety. And so I'm going I'm to try to lean in uh, to appreciate you creative types this week who like see colors and visions and all this stuff. Not me, but I'm thankful for it in you. See the grace of God in it. Let's appreciate the variety this week. These gifts are responsibility, not just a privilege. And the call in this text is to employ those gifts in service to one another. And if that's the call, then I've got to speak a word about the danger and the trouble that comes when brothers and sisters do not use their gifts. Do not employ their gifts in service to one another. When they don't do it at all, or perhaps worse, they use their gifts to puff themselves up 
rather than serving others. One preacher says, not using one's gifts weakens the local church because others cannot replace the unique giftedness of those who are not ministering. That's true. So if you're like sitting it out, we're all suffering. If you are not bringing your gifts to the table, if you are not employing your gifts in service to one another, no one else can do that. No one else has your gifts. Each one of you employ them in service to one another. The mindset that some of us have oftentimes that, oh, I've got nothing to offer. I don't have any gifts. That comes straight from hell. Straight from the devil. The, the only way that is not true, the only way you have nothing to offer, the only way you have no gift is if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right? And so I'm going to invite you, even now, already did once, repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ. But if you're a believer already, and you're hearing, I've got nothing to offer, you're saying, I've got no gift. You've bought the lie from the, from the enemy. We need you. The church needs you. We will see the grace of God through you. If you embrace that mindset, you hurt not only yourself, but every member of the church. So look at verse 10. He says, as each one has received, has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse 11, he says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. So Peter goes into another layer of detail here about the gifts. He doesn't get quite as detailed or specific as Paul does, but he does mention two general categories of gifts, speaking gifts and serving gifts. And if you were to read through the other longer lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, you could probably categorize most of them into those two types, those two general types. There's speaking gifts, teaching, preaching, evangelism, prophecy, those kind of things. And there are service gifts, hospitality and healing and helping, giving, those kind of things. We could probably say that most of the spiritual gifts we read about in the New Testament fit in one of these two categories. And so he deals with the speaking gifts first. And it is really interesting to me that Peter uses a word for speak here that is like the most basic and general word in the New Testament for speak. There are like specific words for preach, there's a specific word for evangelize. Both of those things will be covered in this, but he doesn't use those words. Here's what I want you to hear. Listen. It is the word of God that must be on our lips when we serve one another. To him who speaks, he is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. It is the word of God that must be on our lips as we serve one another. When we speak, let us speak the word of God, not with some kind of authoritative apostolic posture as if we are speaking the word of God, whatever we are speaking. Like that's not the idea here. It's wrong to think that our words are necessarily God's words. Though, listen to me, though it is wise for those of us who teach regularly, preach regularly God's word to recognize that people will often take the things that we say as if they are God's word. Let me give you an example about this. A um, year or two ago, I had read on the internet that uh, daylight savings time was going to come to an end. 
like we were going to change our clocks and we weren't going to change them back. And I said that, like on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, and, and some of you believed it as gospel truth. And, and I was terrified to find out that I was wrong about it and how many of you had just like changed your life because of what I said about that. And so as, as a guy who tries to stand up and regularly say, I'm going to give you God's word, i got to be really careful when I'm not giving you God's word. Because you're conditioned to receive it that way. This happened with you one time. You were walking by this room. We were having a meeting about a trip to the Dominican Republic. And I said in kind of an offhanded way, you need to get in here. You need to come in here. And you receive that as a word from the Lord. I did not intend it as a word from the Lord by any means, not, nor do I believe it was necessarily a word from the Lord. But I've got those of us who teach and preach on a regular basis, we've got to be careful with everything that we say because some people might receive it as God's word. Flip side of that coin is when we get to preach and teach, oh, teach God's word. Like, let this be the content of our preaching. Let this be the content of our teaching. So that when we're preaching and when we're teaching, people are looking down and saying, is this what it says? Is this what's going on here? Can I see this in the text? Because we've got to give them God's word. For those who speak, let them speak as if they are speaking the utterances of God. It is the word of God that must be central in our ministry. It's the word of God that must be central in our service to one another. In, in our ministry together, the word of God has to be central. Look what R.C. Sproul says. He says, a church that wants to grow to 20,000 members can toss aside the Bible and entertain people instead, offering the latest psychobabble and tickling people with itchy ears. We could do that. It would be easy. And it would be so gratifying to the flesh. It, it, would be, it, would, it, it would be so, it would feel so good to throw the Bible out and just say what everybody wants us to say all the time. But R.C. Sproul rightly recognizes that the greatest gift the church has is the word of God. And we wouldn't know which way to turn if we didn't have the word. And so it is the word that must be central really practical application coming up this week. Let's make sure at Vacation Bible School that what we are giving these kids is the word of God. Let's make sure that we are rooting all of our lessons, all of our conversations in his word because what do they need? They don't need my word and they don't need your word. What do they need? They need God's word. They need God's word and we're committed to do that. And if you're not committed to do that, we'll find somebody who is to serve and lead. Let's make the word of God central in all of our ministry. He talks about gifts of speaking and he talks about gifts of serving. Look what he says next. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength for which God supplies. Second large category of gifts that Peter describes are serving gifts. Hospitality would definitely fit into that category along with several others. Craig Keener says this about serving and depending on God's strength. He says, by acknowledging their dependence on God, Believers credit God for what he accomplishes through them, bringing him glory and honor. As we serve, we don't serve in our own energy. We don't serve in our own strength. We serve in the strength which he provides, and he promises to provide it. Look at Galatia, I mean Ephesians chapter 6. Listen to all the language of strong here. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. You leave God out of that equation and you can't stand. You leave his strength out and you've got nothing. If we attempt to serve merely with our own energy, one of two things will happen. At least one of two things will happen. We will burn out. We will fail. We will grow weary. We will give up. That's one of the things that will happen if we depend on our own strength and our own energy. Or, and, or, we'll succeed. And we'll get all proud about it. We'll knock it out of the park and we'll puff ourselves up and we'll take credit that is not ours to take. So, really practical application for this coming week. Let's make sure we are relying on the power that God supplies. And if you come back tonight, if you come back tonight to pray, you'll be tapping into some of that. If you come back tonight to join us in prayer, I'm going to share a really big way that I think God is orchestrating some things so that we must do that. I think God is doing something really weird that fits with his plan as revealed in this text. Making us rely on his power and not on our own. Not on the things that we're used to. Come back tonight at six, we'll, we'll talk that through. So listen, here's the summary. If you speak, speak the word of God. And if you serve, serve in the power of God so that it's all for the glory of God. Speak the word of God in the power of God, and who gets the glory? God gets the glory, and does that not fit with the text? Read it with me in verse 11. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So here's the application. If you know the Lord, if you've been redeemed by his grace, then you have received a special gift, a unique gift to you. But if you don't know him as Lord, if you've not been redeemed by his grace, you've not received the gift. But that can change today. That can change today. Christ died for sinners so that they could be reconciled to God, so they could be forgiven and redeemed. Repent of your sins and trust in Christ today for salvation. Those of you who have been saved, Use your gifts in service to one another. Use your gifts in service to one another. Don't sit it out. Don't say you've got nothing to offer. If you're not using your gifts, we're all suffering because of that. And when you speak the word of God and serve in the power of God, you will see the glory of God. I told you that this text is going to inform the what, the how, and the why of Vacation Bible School. What are we going to do this week? We are going to speak the word of God this week. We're going to sing the word of God this week. We are going to craft the word of God this week. We are going to snack the word of God this week. We are going to recreate the word of God this week. Like that's what we're going to do, right? What are we going to do? We're going to speak the word of God. How are we going to do it? In the strength which he supplies. In the power which he supplies. And I'm telling you, He is taking out a thing that we would normally rely on to teach us to rely on him. 
It's, it's interesting. Interesting. How are we going to do it? In the power which God provides. And why are we going to do that? So that in all things, God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. As to what? The how and the why of this week. Here. Who would have thought this is perfect for VBS day? Let's stand together and pray. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. And I pray for your people that you would teach us to use those gifts in service to one another, that we would be good stewards of the manifold grace of God, that we would bend your grace out toward brothers and sisters in this body. I pray that this week at Vacation Bible School in particular that we would speak the word of God and that we would serve in the power of God so that we would see the glory of God. That's our heart's desire, Lord, make it so. We pray for men and women and boys and girls who, who don't know you, they've not been redeemed. Oh God, change it today. Change them today like you did for us. Open their eyes to your holiness and their sinfulness. Open their eyes to Christ dying on the cross for them. Oh Father, give them faith to trust in Christ alone. Give them repentance to turn away from sin. Save them for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing a, a song. If you want to talk to one of us pastors, we're here. If you want to talk about how to be a Christian or how to join the church, you're ready to tell the world what God has done in your life, uh, come talk to one of us. Maybe you need to come and pray um, that, that, that the word of God would be central, the power of God would be dependent upon, God would be glorified this week at Vacation Bible School. You respond as God leads you.